Hello and welcome to Almost 30. Hello, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Welcome to the show. Shall we take a deep breath? Yes. (laughs) I get nervous because we had a few episodes (laughs) with six years in, you guys. One of the biggest in the biz. We had freaking audio issues on a few episodes and you Mm -hmm. can hear us breathing. Hey. I need to encourage people to breathe it's regardless. True. That's true. So let's do it. One, two, Deep three. breath. <sighs> yeah. Welcome okay. in to Almost 30. You don't need to be 30 or anywhere near it. It's not about your age. We started this when we were transitioning from our 20s to our 30s, and we really wanted it to be a space of inquiry, of curiosity, of fun, of laughter, of depth and um, openness. And we wanted to provide a space where we can learn, where we could be ourselves. And it has turned into a community all over the world that supports people in their evolution. Yeah. And it's been, it's interesting to think of those early conversations and thinking about like health and wellness, just kind of the most aesthetic and conversations when we were starting this podcast around transitioning from your 20s to your 30s. But it has just become such a deep, ever-unfolding process and experience. And now we find ourselves kind of in this realm of the unseen and more in the spirituality lane. And so talking to someone like Byron Katie is just kind of one of those moments where we're like, oh, didn't know we would be talking to Byron Katie when we started this. <laughs> She's like a true, like when I think about spiritual gangster, like yes. not the brand, I think yes. of her. Like yes, a I true can... spiritual gangster where mm-hmm. you're like, you're on some other shit. Yes. Like her and Eckhart mm-hmm. Tolle, like mm-hmm. you're just like, you are on A Course in Miracles text is just on some other shit. Yes. Where completely. it's just beyond, so far beyond duality and beyond the games and beyond the illusion and beyond the dance and beyond it all, there they are. One of the reasons why I know that's true is because there's a part of me that's like, but how can we do that? We live yes. in a world that's like, yes, how? Yes. How, mm-hmm. how can we do that? How can we sit in inquiry? How can we, you know, minimize the ego? How, how, how? Because it just seems so impossible at times, or at least my, my mind yes. thinks so. So in the work, it's really structured around four questions that Katie talks about. And these four questions are, the first question, is it true? So if you have a reoccurring thought or a limiting belief or a story that you tell yourself, you think, is this true? The second one is, can you absolutely know that it's true? So can you absolutely know that it's true? And then the third is, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? How do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And then the fourth, who would you be without that thought? So who would you be without the thought? So how would you see or feel about the other person? How would you see or feel about yourself? Drop all the judgments and then notice what is revealed. And then what you basically do is you turn the thought around as well. So you can turn the thought around to find opposites. So you could say, I don't have time for myself. And then you could be like, I always have time for myself. Mm -hmm. Like, what would that feel like? And giving yourself the ability to find opposites from these thoughts that you have. So... It's powerful. I was even going through the four questions today on something that I'm working with. And there was a moment where I was like, you can, you can, you know, when the ego's there, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Yep. You know, I was like, oh, I'm really in that story. I'm yes. very much in that story. And that story has defined me for most of my life. So if I was to 
just simply turn it around or mm-hmm. you know, admit that I do not know it's true. There's no proof that the story that I tell myself is true or um, to admit to my reaction when I think that thought or to understand who I would be without that thought. It feels very empty. Yes. Like, wow, that, that thought really defines me. And how can we be the observer of that and pick that apart? Yeah, the clutching and like the clinging to the story is so real. Even if it's a story you're like, I wish I didn't believe that. It's like, but the actual clinging to it almost feels like a lifeblood where you're like, okay, this, I know this feeling and I can relate to this feeling and I can be in the world with this feeling because that's what I know. But to be in the world without that thought is really scary for a lot of people. Yes, I think there's embarrassment too. Say more. If you're like, okay, so I define myself by the belief that my parents neglected me. Mm -hmm. And that was a reoccurring theme within my relationships, within my um, goddess circles, within the podcast, things Mm -hmm. that I talked about. If I now am like, huh, I actually don't know if that's true. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, that's embarrassing. I know what you mean. You've created an identity and you've sort of led other people to believe this thought that you perceived to be true. Mm -hmm. And now you have other people believing this thought that you actually don't know is true. You know what I mean? Yes. And and I'm just thinking about like how that's kind of a part of the process too. Mm -hmm. And, And if you are going to continue to, in this realm, like do share with people, it's like this is kind of the next part of the process of... Well, maybe it's not true. But I also, you know, and that's kind of something I've grappled with with her work where it's like, you know, the question is, is it true? And then the next question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? And I think that's the one that's a little zingy because you're just like the, usually the absolute knowing is yeah. impossible. Yeah. Um. And how do you validate yourself? But that's it's like thing. true because you feel, yeah. right? It's like, it's like, that's kind of what I grapple with where I'm like, but I seemingly experienced it and I seemingly feel the way I feel because I experienced it. So yeah. it's true. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just funny because it's like, I just started validating how I feel. I and now I'm like, do you feel that way? How do you know? Like, you know, you get back to that where I'm like, God damn it. Do you even have parents? Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Is that huh? true? <laughs> Maybe you neglected them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so it's that's why some this is what I was talking about on my Instagram Sunday. I was saying that whenever I learn something, it's almost like my soul goes to my Akashic records in my mm-hmm. mind. This is my visual. Like I go up to my Akashic records, to my library in the sky, and I see all the books on the shelf and I pick up the next book that I'm supposed to learn, mm-hmm. the next lesson that I'm supposed to learn. One of the lessons that I'm learning later in life, but not now, is in A Course in Miracles, it talks about being special. And how we are actually not special. And specialness is a way to divide. Specialness is a way to keep us separate. It's a way that the ego plays tricks mm-hmm. on us. And I always say, I'm like, that's a book later in life. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want, I like to be special. I like to think I'm special right now. But it's with this, it's like, maybe this is a book that I'm like, maybe a next year I'm going to work on this one. Because this mm-hmm. year I need to validate how I feel. You know, yeah, and I need to understand yeah. how I feel. Completely. And this is very advanced level. Things like what we're talking about with her is very, very, and by advanced, it just means it's 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 breaking the illusion is is can be hard completely. Yeah, yeah, that's because we're governed by ego and illusion, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it feels good. Our ego sometimes can be like with the spiritual ego as a way. 
I'm spiritual. I'm nice. I'm good. I do these things. I'm productive, you know. And it's weird because you're like, oh, I like that. That feels good. The ego's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But we know we're more than even that. Yes, so much more. More than we can ever possibly wrap our minds around. Yeah, this conversation is um, really beautiful. And again, I think it's one of those conversations where allow yourself to be really open to receiving exactly what you need. It might be one sentence. You know, it might be one concept. It might be these four questions. I think with, you know, advanced conversations like these, sometimes it could be frustrating or it's like, wait, do I miss something? I have to go back. So I would just recommend listening with an open heart, open mind, and uh, just kind of allowing what's meant to drop in for you in this moment, be what drops in. Maybe you return to the episode. Maybe you read one of Katie's books. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the things that we talked about at the beginning, which is really beautiful that we both do, is the morning walk. Mm-hmm. Classic morning Classic. walk. Classic. You guys sick of it yet? 30, you guys sick of us talking about 30 it? 30-something going ain't. on 80 <laughs> on the morning walk, which has changed my life. I feel like people are on the tip. Like yes. even walking in New York, in LA, I'm like, there's a lot of people out here just walking by yep. themselves, you know, doing their thing. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. No, but morning it's- walk. It's been so powerful. And at first I was doing it because it was a way for me to get steps in and, yes. and work on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I could have- Productivity. Productivity. Yes. I was multitasking. I was on my phone and I was getting steps in. Yes. Nothing better. And then it's sort of evolved into like the present moment, the spirituality. The microdosing has helped. Yes. That too. Sure. So I know. I look forward to just moseying. Yeah. Like just being and and. Katie talks about this a little bit, but you could walk in the same place and know a place seemingly, but like to observe and experience things, not labeling them. So it's not like, huh, there's that tree that I always see every day and allowing these things to share with you what they are was really, really profound. And I I don't know if I go to that extent, but it's just kind of exploring places with new eyes every time rather than just kind of like doing your same old thing, being on the phone or listening to a podcast. It's like, can I can I scramble this a little bit? Yeah. And then have a new experience. Yeah, because it's like the ego always finds ways to keep us asleep. Mm-hmm. So we are kept asleep when you're walking. Like I've seen that tree before. I've seen that sign. Mm-hmm. I know that neighbor. I know that cat. You know, I know that situation. I had to say cat. <laughs> I've always got my eyes You're like, peeled. I know those nine cats. <laughs> I know um. every cat in my neighborhood. I literally know them all. <laughs> this woman actually, I was like talking to one of the cats. I was like, oh, I like talking. And then like a neighbor was like looking at me, just talking to the cat. And I was like, yep, I just talked to the Hello. cats. Hello. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to talk to your cat too. Um, but how can we approach life with fresh eyes? How can we bring more presence by not labeling, by really staying in the moment with things and really allowing beautiful things to unfold or allowing ourselves to experience life in every moment? And what's powerful about the morning walk is that you can start with that. Yeah. So if this feels like too much, you know, if it feels like too much to, go through all the questions every day or sit in presence, you can start with the walk by being really present, by you know not bringing your phone, mm-hmm. by being in the moment, by being in nature as much as possible. And that was something too, I think with walking where I was always like, oh, any walking is good for you. And of course, yes, movement is great. You know, 
we want to get as many steps as we can, but it's not at all the same or recognized as the same by your body if you're walking in a city or if you're walking with your phone or you know, you're walking on a stressful conversation. Like it's not being registered as mm. a situation that's actually giving your body reprieve or reducing your stress. You know, I would always like walk in the city on my phone and I'm like, that's actually not doing the same thing mm-hmm. as like a leisurely walk in nature. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually not because your senses are completely activated the entire time. Yes. Yeah, totally. And if you can't get out in nature, you know, a walk is a, a great, you know, first step. And I feel like you can kind of bring that curiosity there as well. Okay. I'm really excited for y'all. If you haven't read Loving What Is, highly, highly recommend. And then Katie also has a tri-weekly Zoom (laughs) gathering where she does the work with people from all over the world. So you can check that out on her website. Yes, it is thework.com. And then you can find her on Instagram at byron.katie. We love you guys. Thank you for being a part of our lovely, amazing community. I'm really excited. We have membership enrollment opening up very soon. I am really excited to welcome our new members. We've had Mm -hmm. the best time these past couple months. Our workshops have been absolutely incredible. We've done crystals and astrology. We've done purpose. We've done intuition and healing and sound baths. And it's just felt like one of the best things Mm -hmm. that we do. Yeah. It's truly a create your own adventure. And I think the community piece this round has been like more potent than ever. You know, I've heard people getting together with people in person and just connecting on a regular basis, which is just so beautiful and so needed. Thank you all for listening, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. The show means so much to us and really helps us to get on guests like Katie today. So thank you in advance. Enjoy this one and we will see you on the other side. We love you. So I have to admit that I wasn't taking my seed DSO-1 daily symbiotic for a few months uh, at the end of 2021. And I noticed such a difference in my digestion, in uh, just my overall energy. I noticed a difference, a slight difference in my mood. As we know, the gut is the second brain. So there's absolutely a correlation there. And when I got back on, I swear to you that I saw improvements within 24 hours. Most people see improvements within 24 to 48 hours, improvements like bowel movement, regularity, and eased bloating. I love Seed. I love that they are just so obsessed with the science. You can check out their studies and scientifically backed evidence of why their daily symbiotic is the best out there on their website, seed.com slash almost 30. Check it out. But this is a really special formulation. It's a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. And it's engineered, it's a two-in-one capsule, and the capsule protects probiotics through digestion to ensure delivery to the colon, which is really important. A lot do not make it through the GI tract. That's why they don't work. So seed is designed differently, and that is why it works. I'm so excited for you all to try this. So if you're looking to ease your bloating, get healthy regularity and ease of evacuation, if you want to support your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis, I highly recommend trying seed. I'm sure you've seen a lot 
of people out there share about Seed and it's for good reason. So start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DS. 01 Daily Symbiotic. That's S-E-E-D.com slash almost 30 and use code almost 30 to get 20% off your first month of Seeds DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. We're honored. So much of your work has been such a support during this season in particular. Krista and I are oh, um, I notorious morning walkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it is a practice that we... <laughs> There's nothing better. Honestly, there's nothing better. It changed my life. It's so funny. In my journey, I guess I'll just say that it started out with... It had to be things externally. It had to be hard things. It had to be things I purchased. It had to be classes I went to or information I read about or courses I took or accolades I achieved. And I never would have thought that a walk could be a teacher or a walk could be something that was so transformational. So I'd love to hear about your morning walks and sort of what birthed that. Yeah, my morning walks were, you know, I heard a, a voice in my head. The work found me. You know, it's 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 just by some grace. I saw that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered. When I questioned them, everything shifted. You know, it's it, it was I found the end of suffering. So oh the morning walk. I heard I just heard inside of me walk or die. It was loud and it was clear, walk or die, because I had a phobia of people. I was agoraphobic. And so, you know, it's, it's oh, I, I did. I was able to walk from, uh, you know, downstairs, put my hand on the front doorknob and walk out alone and continue walking down the sidewalk. And I haven't really stopped since. And that was more than 30 years ago. So this walk or die. And and what happened was something inside of me, it's like all the fear was inside of me. And as I walked, I could see the difference between reality. Mm. Like people weren't hurting me. They weren't accusing me. They were... The trees didn't say, go away, don't look at us. The the sidewalk held me. It didn't fall beneath me and I fall into the abyss. It was, um, it was, yeah, my teacher. So the morning walk, as I walk to this day, I don't name things. Like today I see a tree. My mind is opened in, in, it's open to don't know. And to call it a tree, to my experience, would limit it. Because it is, there in, mm. in this world, the, this, the gift of this world, it's like I allow, allow. <laughs> I invite or I'm open to it telling me what it is. The same with the pavement or a rock by the side of the road, or the sky, (laughs) the sun, the moon on my night walks, you know, but these morning walks. Mm -hmm. And it's like going out in the world, Krista, as you were describing, it's like going out in the world and meeting the world as it is, 
as opposed to what I believe it to be and allow it to show me rather than me to do, let's say, arrogantly name it. You're a tree, you know, a tree and a sky and a, a flower. It allows me to, um, to even see what we would see as myself. You know, it's, it's, uh, I never know what's going to come out of its mouth or its, its uh, apparent mind. You know, what thoughts appear, we don't think, we're being thought. But we say, I'm thinking or I just thought, you know, no, it's a gift, just like the tree. It, it comes and the, the clearer and let's say the more open we are, the, the more beneficial my life, the more don't know in my life. Don't know doesn't mean being stupid or unwise. It is the opposite of being unwise to me. It is allowing the wisdom, the immovable wisdom to be like a partner in my life and my greatest love. Yeah, that's so profound. And I'm wanting to understand more about the human condition and our wanting to define everything and know things. What have you found about that through your experience that is so seemingly important where we need to know, we need to understand, and we need to define and label? It's the ego's fight for identity, it's terror of being nothing, which of course it is nothing. Mind is not something. It is not an object you can hold. It's um, it's it's imagination. I like I see me at breakfast this morning with Stephen, but that's an image in my head. It's ego. It's not right. It's not wrong. And I can say, oh yes, we had breakfast this morning together. But where's my proof? It's an illusion. It's an image in my head that ego would believe thoughts onto, and then that makes manifest identity. Those that equation, and like if the thoughts came and I didn't know what they were, like the tree I heard earlier described, and I didn't know, you know, what that was, um, then. They are nothing. But if you ask me, um, did you have breakfast with Stephen this morning? When you ask me, I see an image. But that I have no proof. That's breakfast. You know, that's that is that's a movie in my head. And in Earth, Earth School, I call it. That's all we've got. Mm-hmm. You know, who am I? Oh, I'm the one that had breakfast this morning. How do I know? Oh, you know, there's. A fiction running in my head and in fiction meaning the not now an image that would lead me to believe there's a past but being awake to reality means understanding the difference between the illusion meaning the movie of the past and I'm going to have dinner with Stephen tonight I can see us having dinner but that doesn't make it true that's an illusion basically just to be awake to that and that can be terrifying we're left with who am I 
well, I am the one that had breakfast and I'm the one having dinner. Where's my proof? I can't take it out and show it to you. You know, I can take a picture with my with my phone camera and send it to you. But that's not me either. That's an image. Mm. So look, look at that picture. That's, the, you know, that's me. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's not. So the identity, uh, ego, I see it as a terrified child looking for a life. Mm. And, you know, wanting to be, but that can never be because uh, mind is not physical. It is not body. I was thinking about your description of a walk and the description of the presence and the description of the non-labeling and the oneness and and really being there for all of it. And I feel like people have achieved that sort of experience with psychedelics. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever thought about that or if that's ever been brought up to you, but I have. Yeah. What what do you I think have. that parallel is? I I think that that um that their minds are just open. It's opened up and it's they're they're not as identified mm-hmm. as I. The ego doesn't have control over that kind of freedom. People share their experiences with me, and it's just it's and I love what I'm hearing. And um, this um mm-hmm. inquiry that was shown to me on the in that yes moment of grace, that state of grace that that um, I bring to the world, these four questions, um, that experience, it's like when I look at the psychedelics, the mind is just so opened with people who share it. So that matches inquiry, but there's no holding it. You have to do the drug again, even though it shifts your life. Mm-hmm. You do it again to open it again, and there can be disappointment mm-hmm. or not quite matching the experience, you know, before. Whereas with self-inquiry, we have a way of experiencing what psychedelics give us, but we have a way of living that in the world that shows up in the work and those living turnarounds and on a way of having it anytime, anywhere that we have the patience just to get still and sit in inquiry. Um, it's unlimited. And the, the experiences people share with me on this, with psychedelics um, are the same experiences people share with me as they're sitting in self-inquiry and not as radical as the psychedelics appear, but over time, yes, as radical, meaning I had experiences that um, I hear with people who have come back with just amazing stories from psychedelics and shared them with me. The experience of I, I've had in self-inquiry are at least as mind-blowing. It means egoless and other things having space to to affect us as far as who and what we are. Mm -hmm. And it's legal. Mm -hmm. You know, the inquiry is legal in all states. (laughs) Yeah, and handy dandy. And handy dandy. Free. There you go. And free. Yeah. (laughs) For those that don't know your awakening story, that moment of grace where you received these 
um, questions of inquiry. I would love for you to share. I just think it's so, so powerful. And I know many people out there listening find themselves in a state that they feel like they will never get out of. Yeah. 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 So I was, um, I was sleeping on the floor, um, you know, all night and into the morning, just as we always do. And um, as love would have it, a cockroach crawled over my ankle, over my foot, and I opened my eyes. And before the, before the ego could fill in that space, could grab that space, I saw how the world, how my world was created. I saw, I was looking at a window that wasn't, in a room that wasn't, and in the absence of ego, no, there was no self-reference. And then the mind, the ego, the apparent ego kicked in, and there was a window, and then there was light coming through the window. And when I, I, I began to laugh, that was the first sound out of, because I just, it's like, I got the joke. I got it. <laughs> and then there was, an, an, in that, there was an, just the ceiling and walls and a floor and an eye. And the eye didn't happen till after. I could only repeat that after the fact and it can never be true i'm always pointing to the illusion and the way out of it and all of that was the experience mm. on the floor and it's um you know something that profound is um that's immovable that cannot be denied mm. it's you know we we go to sleep at night and let's say we're not dreaming. We wake up the next morning and the ego owns, owns it. I, I am, I'm awake. I'm, I'm late for work. Mm -hmm. I want coffee. I need to brush my teeth. I, so that identification, I, identification that does not sleep. And we wake up with it or we don't wake up. It's just that by some grace, uh, I beat the ego to it. By some grace. And where did you find yourself at that point, that that night into morning that you were believing? At what point in your life was was this? It was, oh gosh, that was in 1986, a long, like 30-something years ago. And I was in a halfway house for women with eating disorders. And it is the only place my insurance company would uh, that's the only place they said yes I can go to I was uh, following 10 years this was following 10 years of of agoraphobia of just sheer terror eating disorder I was over 200 pounds but I'm describing a thinking disorder with all of this, the agoraphobia, a thinking disorder, the compulsive overeating, a thinking disorder. Life is a thinking disorder if we are not happy in it. And it's still an illusion. 
And I recommend it. <laughs> a place where we can laugh and share experiences. And mm-hmm. for me to honor the the gift that was given in that state of grace, that immovable, all these years later. It's really interesting, you know, I'm assuming then you heard the voice that brought you to the walking, the walk or die. And it's interesting at that state where you had the agoraphobia and the eating disorders at the halfway house that you didn't think that the death would be reprieve for the pain and that it caused you to move. Do you think that, or what do you think that is about? Do you feel like it was like a higher self conversation or did you ever think about suicide? Like, did your thoughts ever consume you so much so that you wanted to exit the earth? Yes, for those for those prior 10 years, yes. Yeah, that was just just painfully suicidal. Yeah. I thought that was the way out. Yeah. I, I had no idea there was another way out, but the way out is is to look inward. Mm-hmm. And that is the way out of suffering. If if we can, and it's so, um, it's it's so, let's say, handy dandy. It's there are thoughts we can identify them and question them. We can identify them and bring them into the world on paper, and they're stable, so that we can question them. And um, within the situation where we, we were experiencing the pain, actually, I am curious. In your work and hearing from so many people all over the world, especially, you know, say we take the example of the thought disorder around eating or body dysmorphia. And Krishna and I were having a conversation before this just around taking radical responsibility and how that can yeah. be really mm, off-putting for people, you know, and 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 they become resistant and perhaps... Um, defensive. Oh, it's horrible. How have you found a way in, you know, like to, to really bring light? It's, com- it's comparison, the ego, that's the, you know, the ego's favorite thing. It's like, if, if you uh, have a, a very low opinion of, of your body, like, you know, I'm ugly, I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm not as, it's always about comparison. And if you get really still, and you just consider if I didn't compare this body with any other body, you know, is it possible to think less of your body? And I think that's one of the first steps, you know, without because the because comparison is the ego, that's its trick, you know, to, in other words, the opposite of duality is 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 where we get clear so also mm-hmm. when people if they write down what they're thinking and believing about their body and they look at it and question it then it can really wake us up to that is not i and and uh, you know like body and what I'm thinking about the body. Now, one of those is, is, is off. And it's got to be the mind. Because it is the mind that says there's something 
unattractive about my body or terrible or ugly or, you know, whatever it is. So if you write down your thoughts about your body and you question them and in questioning is a, it, that's a big ask because we're going where we're going beyond the ego to, um, to see what is there that the ego wants to hide. But for example, would you rather have, when you think of your body, would you rather have a beautiful, healthy, flexible body? And you had to make a choice between that that you want so badly, let's say, and you had to make a choice between that and I want my thoughts about my body. I want my thinking to be beautiful, healthy, and flexible. Which one would you choose if you had to make the choice? And that's what we're talking about. I want my thoughts about my body to be healthy and flexible and about life. So uh, that's just, you know, just a, a small example of, and if we love what we think, we love ourselves. And, but going back to comparison, if, if, um, if let's say I had a, a, the world agree, I had a very grotesque body. Everyone agrees to it. But if I did not compare my body with anyone else, I'm good. I'm good with it. Other people have the problem. I don't. And in that kind of freedom, it's where we begin to become conscious of like beautiful, healthy, flexible in that kind of freedom. You know, I did the work and smoking quit me. I did the work and and insane food. There's sane food and insane food. For example, you know, sugar or an apple. You know, I was going for the sugar, for example, and the alcohol. It quit me. It's like sugar quit me. Compulsive overeating quit me. I had found what I was looking for. And to this day, if something happened and something is happening with my head, it doesn't stop inquiry. As long as we have a choice, we have inquiry. Uh, if my mind says, oh, I feel terrible today, that's duality. I have to compare it with something else to even know that's not okay. That's duality. Yeah, because it's like almost that beyond form, you know, beyond the illusion and even beyond specialness, you know, beyond the ego sees everything as new. But I would like to just on the mm -hmm. body kind of take everyone through the four questions if we were as an example around the body. So say someone has the belief, you know, my body is something to fix. How would we leverage the four questions to walk them through a different ending? Okay, so let's say uh, to be happy, I need to fix my body. Okay, so is it true? Is it true that to be happy, I need to fix my body? Can I absolutely know that it's true? To be happy, I have to fix my body. Now, I ponder that even as we're using it as an example. You know, I have a, my life is inquiry. It's, it's like inquiry 
meets ego as a way of life. So for my body to be beautiful, how do I react when I believe the thought to be happy? My body needs to be beautiful. I compare my body with other people's. I always come up short. I'm either better than or less than. How do I react when I think the thought? I need my body to be beautiful for me to be healthy. Guilty anytime I eat this food or that food or break a fast I'm on or, and then you just ponder all of that. How do you react? Sitting in inquiry and always comparing this body with another body in my mind's eye or looking at someone else. If I'm in a crowd, I see this beautiful body. I imagine them to be happy and have everything. And then there's my life. My body's not beautiful. I don't have the same respect from people that that person has. And getting this, you know, I could go on and on with it, but that's what it is, getting still and noticing how the ego goes on and on and on and how you react when you believe the thought, what kind of life you're living when you think the thought. And that was my agoraphobia, you know, which they say fear of the marketplace. And mine was just a marketplace of just one inch outside my door was terrifying. And then that fourth question, just sitting in that silence, who would I be? Who would I be without the thought to be happy? I need my body to be beautiful. Imagining myself in the world in those situations where I was so horrified when I was comparing. And I look at those situations in my mind's eye and imagine myself in that situation. Who would I be without the thought to be happy? I need my body to be beautiful. There's no way not to be happy if we really sit in that in those situations. Because our it, it's all... It's, it's all in, in encompassed there. It's our health, our physical, everything without comparison. And then, you know, those are the four questions. And then turn the thought around. To be happy, I need my body to be beautiful. To be happy, I don't need my body to be beautiful. And then to ponder that. Anchored in those situations. You know, for example, they're in that place with that perfect body that was there and me in this terrible body. To be happy, I don't need my body to be beautiful. And then I look around at the opportunities there to just be and to witness other people having fun without comparing my standing there alone and the happiness that comes from just me what you would think is impossible. I am so fascinated. It's alive because it's not I, I, I. 
I am curious with no other motive is a life of inquiry. The inquiry is very much space, pause, you know, kind of this Mm -hmm. lifting of time Mm -hmm. and it feels time and place. Yeah, kind of like kind of like that feeling of taking off the tight shoe, like Ram Das says. Mm. Though it's not death, but it feels like finally living in a way. Yeah. And the last question, who would you be without that thought? I just think is so powerful and almost like lifts this veil. It's like I'm right there, you know, not I, but the the experience of that happiness is right there. It doesn't seem so far away when you bring in that question. I think it's just so, so powerful. But if you think of, if you think of, of I as non-duality, I, I, I am delighted. I am free. I am. It all starts to match up and where you were going and it felt like ego and one more step you know, I can see in your face, it was, yes, mm. you know, that's, it's, it's where it flips. Yes. I, ultimate I. Ultimate I. And that really is, you can't even put a word on it because it's, it's too heavy. You know, I is, is the original I is, um, is only that I, and then I am and it's added weight you know two is added weight but it is it doesn't it isn't a what yet i am okay now it's it's so it's really not duality because there's no friction there so i am let's say waking up from sleep i am awake now it's getting heavy i am a mother i am a daughter i am a, a sister i am a friend i am i am i am i need coffee i need so it just once that once that ego starts it's um it's attempted identification as I am this woman, for example, it cannot stop. It's like there's something wrong with him. Why did she say that? You know, there's something, the, the coffee's cold. The, 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 I think, I think, I think. So that identification and the ego cannot sleep because, like that experience on the floor I described earlier, it wasn't quick enough to grab the space. And that's how I can talk to you today. Thank you, cockroach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And keeping it alive by how that work was born on the floor. You know, prior to mind, nothing. Nothing. It was, if I had to describe it, it would be just like this, like an invisible engine, just like an invisible heartbeat, just. And it was, there was no time or space in it. Mm. And then that wild 
innocent child we call ego, just window ceiling eye, and just having the time of its life and nothing valid, pure imagine, pure imagination, earth school, earth school. And evidently, I had been in earth school mm. long <laughs> enough to get a little glimpse. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? <laughs> what? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, you, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things and while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. I just got our favorite delivery of the month. Sean and I wait patiently by the door like little puppy dogs. <laughs> our athletic greens shipment came in and man, oh man, I don't know. I thought the other day, I was like, I don't know what my life would be like without athletic greens. I don't know how I would feel. I don't want to know because athletic greens has truly just improved so many aspects of my health and routine. So it's improved my digestion. It has improved my energy. Um, it has improved the way in which I feel in the morning. This is the first thing I put in my stomach, okay? 
Um, I make sure to take athletic greens to fill any nutritional gaps to make me feel just my most vibrant self. And the reason why I feel that way is because the ingredients in athletic greens are of the most intensely high quality I have ever, ever encountered. Okay. This is the category leading superfood product that brings comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition to everybody. Uh, They keep up with the research. Uh, They know where to find the highest quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, and they're obsessed with making sure they're the best of the best. So in one scoop of AG1, it contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in one convenient daily serving. The special blend of high-quality bioavailable ingredients in a scoop of AG1 work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, support energy and focus, aid with gut health and digestion, and support a healthy immune system. And it effectively replaces multiple products or pills. So if you're someone that's like, I don't want to take all these supplements. I just want something that's convenient and easy. Highly, highly, highly recommend AG1. Athletes love it. Moms, dads, first timers, everyone in between really, really loves incorporating this into their routine. They come in travel packs or they come in a convenient scoop bag. It's so awesome. And they it also comes with this little um, canister that I love keeping in my cabinet. Just makes it easy and chic. Uh, and I'm excited for you because when you get your first Athletic Greens, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Those are the ones I take with me everywhere. So athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 is where you're going to go. And with your first purchase, you're going to get one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. One more time, Athleticgreens dot com slash almost 30 to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. When we think about the ways in which the ego tricks us, I think one of the first steps is thinking about all the ways the ego harms us. So we say, I am not enough. Uh, My body needs to be fixed. We kind of go to all the negatively perceived things. And then further along the journey, you go to the positively perceived things until you become the I. Can you talk a little bit about that, you know, as far as the relationship with the ego? Because the ego not only is the negative stories we tell ourselves, but it's also, you know, the ones we perceive as positive. Well, the the ego, um, let's say, um, let's let's say that woman I saw last night is so beautiful and I am just just not that. I see her in my mind's eye, and you probably had an image of me there. We don't even know what the bear was, but it didn't stop us. You saw me somewhere with that other woman, and there are two of you there. So we have two different environments all together. And in me, that makes three. I'm I'm the storyteller. And so what is ego? I was there. Why do I believe it? I see an image of the past in my head. Now, I can't take that out and show it to you. And even if if I drew you a, a, a picture that was very clear, that picture is not the image in my head. That's two. So where, where you are imagining what I am saying. So we have three different scenarios going on. 
And so the past, the ego offers up that image. So you can see me there. And and um, and then, you know, I was so depressed, I came home. Now you can see me at home. And so pure imagination. And um, And then tomorrow, I'm going to do it differently. I'm never going out again. So now we have the future. And and I have not moved this, this I we call body. I have done this huge trip, but I'm believing that image in my head is I. That is fiction right here, right now. And it's all the proof. And if you don't agree with me that last night was terrible, then there's something wrong with you now. And you're just not my friend. And you you just don't understand me. Now I'm misunderstood. And this is, you know, who would I be without my story? The relief. And which is the fourth question, you know, who am I? What am I? Who would I be without those false images? And the false images, I'm not going to stop them. It's just an illusion, you know, just creates our whole world here in Earth School. But this illusion I call I last night at that party is not I. It would just, to look at it when once awake is like, what? I thought that was me. I was depressed over what? An image? It wasn't even in my head. I can't take it out. You know, I can't take out of my head what isn't there. It is, it's thoughts and thoughts aren't form. So, you know, the way I think I said it earlier, but I think it's important. It's like we, we think like window, but it's not until we see an image of it in our mind's eye as we sit here, we see an image of a window and 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 it's not until the ego gives it a word and then that word and that image make what we perceive as life and that's how the ego works that is not life that's imagination so inquiry wakes us up from the dream leaving our true nature and still the ability to to see the images, talk to people, not fear the images or or um, believe them either negative or positive because it's a dream. that's not that's not life. that's imagination and to know the difference. and and that's presence. And that's immovable, and that is to wake up to it. But for me to not point to the images is not to be here in this earth school. And obviously, I still need it. Here I am, I think, which doesn't make it so. (laughs) (laughs) This is a privilege. It's a a privilege where imagination appears (laughs) to be something you can touch and smell and be. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, the imagination and 
even mm-hmm. when you had that moment where you had tears, you know, those sweet tears on your face. And when I think about dreams, I think about sometimes the somatic feeling that I have when I wake up or after a feeling like that. What do you think the relationship is between like the feelings that we have somatically in our bodies and then when we're having that experience of the mind and when we're looking to let go of the ego, how can we assure the body that the body is okay? Because sometimes the body is chemically looking for those feelings or emotions that the ego often feeds us. Okay, think, feel, act, have. For example, imagine biting in right now, biting into a big, ripe, juicy lemon. Okay, so you that's physical, you felt physical and the saliva and everything mm. that is the power you're up against. Imagination, there was you did not eat a lemon. So, you know, I think that answers the question. Think meaning image and believing onto it. Think, feel, you felt it. It even created saliva and and you saw probably an orange ripe lemon and you probably saw it open with the pulp and everything. So think, feel, you felt it. Act. There was the emotion, there was the physical experience and the emotion that goes with it. Think, feel, act, have. So what you have is is that experience. Now, what's happening is you're remembering like the lemon you saw in your mind's eye. You wouldn't even know, like the morning walk, you wouldn't even know that's a lemon without remembering the lemon prior to that lemon. And then there is a a memory of all these lemons in your life. And that's imagination. It all happened so quickly that you felt the emotion in your body. Now, inquiry, obviously, it can be done. It can break the spell. We can actually see the lemon and experience nothing. We can see ourselves as um, in our mind's eye at a party and and everyone is beautiful, but me standing there and I'm good with it. And why am I good with it? I've done some self-inquiry on that, you know, on those, what I call the judge and neighbor worksheets. And there's a uh, 99 cent app where these, uh, the, that worksheet is and 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 how to break the spell of I. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so honey, that's it's it's uh, so mm-hmm. simple. And it takes stillness mm-hmm. and an open mind, as as you know in your in your work. It's but there's mm-hmm. you know there's no way out but in. And I had this, I was gifted mm-hmm. this this moment of grace that that I nurtured. I'm still doing my morning walk. I'm still filling in a judge your neighbor worksheet. I am st- really the way is more honest. It's I work with people. I would say if 
like most days. But I'm not working with people. I'm always working with myself. Those are my worksheets. And and I could have the thought, oh, I know this already, but it would end in a question mark. So I'm always present. Your work is my work. And that's what's meant by your pain is my pain, your joy is my joy. You are who I believe you to be. So eventually, there's only innocence and and connection, compassion. You know, compassion for me is understanding. You know, understanding the cause of anyone's suffering. It's um, if I believe what they believe, I would suffer as well. Mm. We can all say that. It's pretty remarkable, you know, to think about that moment of grace and just, you know, seeing. Um, I am thinking about how many people perhaps have experienced a moment like that, but I they would, didn't. I would, I would say, um, guessing that we all have. We all have had that, that moment mm. of grace. And if we haven't, we will. But how do you hold it? I just happen to Mm -hmm. understand. For people that are listening and they are thinking about the world in which we live in right now and believe to be true, I guess how would you... How would you support them or guide them in... That feeling of overwhelm of, okay, well, I understand and I love this idea of inquiry and asking these questions, but if if no one else around me is doing this, how is it possible to feel, you know, fully happy or fully fill in the blank or to just be? Um, because it's, yeah, it's an interesting time. <laughs> To, to take that miserable self to inquiry, don't we can do it when we feel good. We can look back at when we felt bad and identify what we were thinking and believing and write those thoughts down. The cause of all of our suffering is what we're thinking and believing. So it's worth going back to that situation and identify what we were thinking and believing and question it and break the spell. But not forever and ever and ever. This is a practice in stillness. And it will shift your life. Like you might do, do the work on, um, on your mother and, and, and still see your mother the same way. But all of a sudden, you see that chocolate cake and you're not attracted. It's, it's like, you know, what is this? We don't know where the work is going to work. All I know is our lives get better. So we can do the work on mother, father, sister, brother. And that's how I can say smoking quit me. Compulsive overeating quit me. I was doing work on people and my choices shifted. It's not something I was doing. It's something I supported happily. hmm Beautiful. What are you looking forward to right now? Like what is bringing you, know, you your joy? What brings me the joy is not looking forward to anything, just letting it show up. 
Because knowing the nature of everyone and everything, I don't have to look forward to it. It's, it's, it's a given. And, you know, oh, honey, it's just, it is just mm. so um, amazing yeah. to, um, to don't know. Like on the other side of this, I don't know what's, I don't know what's on the other side of that door behind me. It's a surprise. And knowing the nature of everything is, um, <laughs> it's the opposite of depression. Yeah. It's the opposite of deep depression. Mm. It's, it's um, an inquiry can take us higher. And I'm not talking about crazy. I'm talking about mm. um, allowing wisdom to live. And in the absence of suffering, that is what lives. Deep inquiry, I think sometimes mm-hmm. the thought of it, again, can scare people, you know. And so for you to say that, I just felt the resonance of that where it can lift you higher and it can mm-hmm. allow wisdom to live. It's yeah. just You know, I am liberating. all about just the absence of suffering that's it anything anything better than that i'm i'm in with the absence of suffering that's that's it katie thank you mm-hmm. beautiful it has been just so powerful i i feel like i don't have to say where can people connect with you but i do know that your you have a weekly yeah it's it's a meeting it's, or gathering um, it's monday tuesday and wednesday from 9 to 10 a.m. pacific time and we usually go over and um but oh i i invite everyone it's a way of all of us sitting in these four questions and turn around and turnarounds and doing our work together and it's um yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. I just I just love that so much. <laughs> so every, everyone welcome. <laughs> We're so grateful for you and your work and mm-hmm. everything that you share, whether it's on your website or your podcast or your community calls um, or books. We're really grateful you could be on our show. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm just, I, I love that you invited me and thank you so much for that. It's certainly... Sitting with you two is um, so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) We feel the same. We feel the same. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe one night you and I Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Katie, thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. And you too as well. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Katie. Again, you can find her on Instagram, byron.katie. The book is loving what is. And you can learn more about the work at thework.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors for this episode as well. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Yeah, almost30.com. You can find more information about Lindsay and I. You can find our blog. We take a lot of the information and content 
from our episodes and we'll build it out in these really beautiful blog posts. You can also find Podcast Pro. So if you want to start a grow, monetize a podcast, we have you. We will support you. We do coaching calls. We will be doing our accelerator program this fall for our podcasters. Mm -hmm. And then our membership. We're going to be opening up our membership for enrollments in the next couple weeks. We cannot wait to welcome our new members. We love y'all so much. 